0: Welcome to Belling History with the Good Time Girls, a hyper-local podcast about the quirky history of Bellingham, Washington, in the fourth corner of these United States. Even though we like to keep things close to home, these stories are no less entertaining to the masses and those who find themselves, unfortunately, outside of the
1: PNW. We're your hosts, I'm Colby and I'm Wren. and we are co-owners of Belling History Tours, also known as the Good Time Girls. If you want to know more about our tour business, visit our website at bellinghistory.com. Today's episode is
0: called Spring Festivals in Bellingham. Or Tulip Town, races and racists. Or from bulbs and babes to boats and bikes. A bit of a content warning. While the topic of this episode would perhaps seem innocuous enough, we will be discussing some relevant but dark and disturbing history involving the racist organization, the KKK, or the Ku Klux Klan, as well as racism and intolerance more generally. So if you are hoping to hear a lighthearted fluffy story about tulips and spring festivals, maybe this ain't it. We believe it is important not to leave out or gloss over these parts of the story as uncomfortable as they are. That said, this episode ran long, and we were concerned after editing that it might seem we were not spending enough time or covering what is a pretty serious subject sufficiently. Because we have covered the KKK presence in Bellingham in more detail previously, we are going to link to that for those wanting a deeper dive.
1: Today we're going to talk about the history of Bellingham's Spring Festivals, how the first festival had its origins in tulip farming in Bellingham the Tulip Festival of the 1920s, and then later reincarnated as the Blossom Time Festival and later still rebranded as the Ski to Sea Festival, which we have coming up here at the end of May. 2023 is the 50th year of the
0: Ski to Sea race, which started out as part of the Blossom Time Festival in 1973, which also happens to be the year I was born. Yes. So that means I'm also 50 for those of
1: you you doing the math.
0: I'm old. All right. So I grew up, though, with Ski to See being a big deal. And my parents grew up with the Blossom Time Festival. So Mm -hmm. that was, like, their big childhood memory. And my grandparents then... The Tulip wow. Festival. Wow,
1: just bellinghamsters. Which I
0: didn't really realize until I was doing this, and I was like, oh my god. That's
1: very sweet. <laughs> I love that.
0: Three generations of festivals.
1: I, <laughs> I love it.
0: So the Tulip Festival was kind of confusing to me at first because I always associated tulips in my lifetime with Skagit County. Yep. Yeah.
1: Have you been? Oh Yo. god, yes. Sat in <laughs> the lines of the tourists. I learned early on that you go on like a weekday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely knew some people who lived out there in Skagit on those roads, right. and just like oh God. oof, avoided it like yeah. the plague every yeah. year. But uh, it's so lovely. That's I know. It, that is all. to It say. is pretty.
0: It's so gorgeous. I took my it's there. my oldest daughter, who's you know so that was over 20 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> so got the requisite you know childhood oh, photos yes. in the tulip fields and then i never went back to it again cause...
1: i know yeah <laughs> did every year with the babies and then they got to be teenagers are like we don't want to get our picture taken with the fucking daffodils mom
0: <laughs> so i guess they were kind of late blooming this year yeah
1: yeah seems like
0: it i just heard that on the news i don't know <laughs> So. <laughs> we live like 30 miles <laughs> I know. away. We're
1: like, oh,
0: no. Did you know that Bellingham was the original Tulip Town? Did we, well, until I mean, you got into history. Of- I,
1: it didn't take me long to figure <laughs> it out, let's say. But, yeah. no, it is very yeah. much synonymous with the Skagit Valley. Yeah. So it is to know all of the history thats that we're going to talk about today is pretty wild. It was a major industry here.
0: Yeah. So, and the town was always trying to come up with ideas for events to, you know, attract attention and, you know, bring tourists even back then. Um, And often those things were centered on, like, the attractive features of nature and the outdoors um, which sounds very familiar and the idea behind having a big festival was and still is you know to bring that tourism and boost the local economy and civic pride oh, and no. all that good stuff mm-hmm.
1: now our ski to sea festival is focused on a race and that race can trace its roots back to the mount baker marathon of 1911 through 1913 which deserves its own whole episode the story is insanely fascinating we've talked about it on many of our tours and an entire movie was made which we highly recommend by Todd Warger called The Mountain Runners you can rent that on Amazon for a few bucks I think it's still there
0: yes and it's coming annually it comes with the ski to see. Yes. they do
1: a showing and it is going
0: to be at the Pickford on Wednesday May 24th at 6 oh. p.m.
1: But, uh, you know, another element of the modern ski-to-ski race is the festival. I'm sure all of you Bellinghamsters have been, and the events that that go with that down there in Fairhaven.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I know. I've, in my elder years now, started to avoid it. But when I was young, it was a fun... Yeah, One I bet party it was. Scene.
1: I've always avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I bet it was fun as a young person. Yeah.
0: When, you know, there's music and there's vendors. Yeah, and all of that it's stuff.
1: so cute. It's definitely the biggest festival. Yeah, it's Bowling a lot of him. people.
0: So, and the Ski to Race is really kind of a standalone event and entity. And it started in 1973 under the umbrella of the Blossom Time Festival, which we're going to come to in a little bit. And that, you know, all the parade, carnival, pageants, all these things kind of all went together in all the incarnations from tulips to blossom time to ski to sea but the race really became such a big deal then the whole thing was rebranded as ski to sea festival in 1980 Mm. so when I was growing up yeah I wasn't super interested in the race and there was a couple years where like my cousins were in it or Mm, you know things like that I loved the parade and the carnival and the festival was pretty fun and all those kinds of things so but things got a little weird in the past few years with pandemic and the race was canceled for the first time in 2020 and 2021 and i think the parade got you know everything kind of got canceled and the parade kind of had like a weird identity crisis and now i think it's kind of a separate event and i think it's the memorial
1: the memorial day memorial day parade Mm, totally
0: yeah people aren't as into parades anymore which i find i freaking love a parade and every i still try to go to it and take whichever child is still willing yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i freaking love marching bands yeah i have to say they're my favorite part too but that is really cute you're nerdy
1: for a marching band you weren't even a band nerd no i should have been honestly
0: i was a choir kid but, yeah, in uh, the Shriners, you know, they're, oh, like, yes. all old and gone, and there's no Shriners there's no left. But they Maybe used to Maybe that's why people
1: aren't in parades I know, they anymore. Used to ha- cars. Like, I yes. love those little
0: freaking cars with the Fezzes and shit. It's so crazy. Yeah, and know. the Orientalism. But, oh. you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> the good old days. But there's there's some cool new stuff in the parade. Like, the Sikh temple has the whole, like, the spinning. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, my God. I love that. God. I love when there's horses. The horses. I don't. The there's coopers. still good stuff, so So, come on, Bellingham. Come on,
1: guys. (laughs) Go out to the next parade we have, which would be excuse me. Or, I'm sorry, the
0: Bellingham Memorial Parade. Yeah, Memorial Parade. All right. So, all that aside, the festival has its roots in tulips. So, let's talk. (laughs) Let's talk about that and Bellingham's years as, quote, tulip town. Ren, do you want to talk about, like, tulips and their cultivation a
1: little bit? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fascinating subject. Actually, it is cultivation of tulips began in Iran or Persia in the 10th century. Whoa, they they were part of decorations for the Nowruz or Persian New Year, which is also could be considered the March equinox. Various stories about their introduction to Western Europe, but known to be flowering in the Netherlands as early as 1594. God, that's crazy. That's crazy. I love that we can trace a history of a tulip. And that is right? pretty amazing. So there was a huge speculative frenzy in the 1600s, referred to as tulipomania <laughs> or tulip tulipmania. Um, in the 1600s, tulip craze. It was first recorded as this just like big, huge... Exciting cash crop.
0: Yeah, I think it was like beanie babies. I know in the 1600s. <laughs> Although I've, I've, I, I always heard that tulip mania story and like compared to beanie babies. But <laughs> and then I've, I've also heard some re-examinations of it that it would claim it's a bit exaggerated and it was mostly confined to like wealthy oh, merchant classes. But still,
1: it's, it's a speculative it's, bubble. <laughs> you can not be that <laughs> crazy? Right. But still, if you had seen tulips for the first time and you're like, like everybody would want those. Yeah, I'm going to buy those and sell those. It's and really I mean, interesting to me though because bulbs are perishable. And... Yeah, but the bulbs aren't. Oh, the bulbs last. Yeah, That's true. I'm like imagining yeah. just like bokeh Yeah, you're and just so like what the <laughs> picking fuck? them. You're like they're dead. But no. it was
0: people wanted to grow the bulbs. <laughs> them yeah, propagate the, the bulbs, spread
1: them around. Mm, right. Okay, got it. Okay, so tulips were brought to the U.S. in the 1800s. That's 200 years later before the U.S. got their bulbs. Right. I just, it was brought to various parts of the country, and different parts of the country had some success in growing tulips. But today, obviously, the Netherlands remains the world's main producer of commercial tulip plants, even though they started in Persia. I know,
0: I've been trying to figure that out. Maybe it's just because it's so soggy and weird, and you know, they have all the, the dikes with the little boy with puts his finger, you know, it's like <laughs> a weird, it's a weird wet kind of a place, isn't it? I don't know, I've never hair. been... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's... I don't know. I'm just, like, wondering what the climate favorable to tulips is. Anyway. Well, we
1: know what the climate is favorable to tulips <laughs> is because we live in it, apparently. Yeah, uh, kind of. Why? Why? Okay. So that brings us to our next yes. cool question, then. <laughs> why are tulips here in the P&W?
0: Yeah, I guess climate and conditions seemed favorable and... Of course, there was a demand and there was a profit to be made if they could be grown easily and cheaply enough. So that was the question. But a guy, George Gibbs, was credited with being the first to cultivate tulips in the area. He was born in England and he came out here and lived on Orcas Island. And then later he moved out to a place called Clearbrook, north of Nooksack. So he was 62 when he began growing bulbs on Orcas Island in the 1890s. So in May of 1898, a party of expert bulb growers from Holland actually like made a special trip to his gardens and were reportedly astonished to see such fine plants grown in this part of the world by a man who was also never trained in bulb culture. I love that. Quote, unquote.
1: <laughs> Quote, unquote, bulb
0: culture. <laughs> So Gibbs is like, all right, I'm good at growing bulbs. Do <laughs> So he lobbies the U.S. Department of Agriculture to study bulb growing in the area and lands a contract in 1905 to grow 15,000 bulbs for the federal government. It was a success. And so after that, the government was like, we're coming out there and we're going to set up this experimental bulb farm and try to keep doing this. And maybe it'll be a profitable thing. So there were some others involved in early bulb farming. Um, I know big name Charles Larrabee, who was kind of a big mover and shaker over in Fairhaven, if you're not familiar, Larrabee State Park, yada yada. But he was involved in like a financial backer of some of the early tulip farms. Also the Smith Brothers, which if you've ever been to Smith Gardens uh, out in Marietta, out Marine Drive, Near the site of the old Fort Bellingham, Mm -hmm. Um, that was another. They were longtime gardeners, so they were involved in the early tulip farming and also some good brothers of Ferndale. So these were some of the early ones. But basically around the time when Bellingham had just consolidated as a town here on the Bay in 1903, there was like tons of area being logged off, you know, all around clearing of farms. And people were just kind of experimenting with what would grow and what might be a profitable crop. And tulips seemed to work well at the time.
1: Wow, that's so crazy. Well, we have an article here from Bellingham Herald from around that time in May of 1905, titled Where Genuine Holland Bulbs Are Raised, Whatcom County, the birthplace of tulips sold as Dutch plants in Europe. A mouthful says, A field of rainbow colors, lines and squares of brightest scarlet, royal purple, blue, yellow, and all the intermediate shades, with splotches of white sometimes to offset the richness, the perfect blue of a Washington sky overhead, and in the distance the deeper blue of the hills and sound. An occasional figure moves down the perspective of the rose, bent over the work of weeding and cultivation. The salt breeze tempers the warmth of the day and sets the sound a glitter with the reflections of the sun. Such a picture is a Whatcom County bulb farm. A glitter. I love that. And um, probably because the it's so a glitter.
0: moist and dewy, is how I'm picturing that.
1: <laughs> yes. And cold, because the, <laughs> I love that. The, I, I just wanted to comment that uh, the salt breeze tempers the warmth of the day in April. <laughs> I wish, very much, I wish the warmth of the day. And
0: we've been having a rather chilly spring. Yeah. Hence the tulips are late in showing themselves. Ugh, oh, ready for warmth. Okay, so the U.S. government started looking for land in the area in this experimental bulb farm, basically to study and grow to see if they were a profitable business venture. And so they found land out by Marietta, out there by Fort Bellingham area where the Smith Gardens are. And um, a Mr. and Mrs. Henry Juniman got a sweet house built for them on the property and then were put in
1: charge. An article from the fall of 1909 announced millions, millions of bulbs would be planted. But the article also lamented lack of cheap labor needed in order to be profitable. So the idea was to mechanize the industry to make up for that. A 1910 article stated, It is the desire of the government to perfect a method of growing bulbs in this country that will do away with the heavy importations. In Holland, the labor is cheap and the bulbs are sold at a lower figure than can be done in the United States. It is believed that with the use of modern machinery more work can be done with fewer men and the bulbs sold at a rate equal to or lower than those grown by Hollanders. So at the time cheaper land, mechanization and weather conditions seemed to create a situation where growing bulbs here could be profitable. Ding ding. Mm-hmm.
0: So they got this bulb farm and by the 1910s, it was a big attraction for people to go out. It was a big fun thing to do if you had an early automobile or you could take a stage Mm. out to see the tulips at the government farm. Um, Much like in Skagit County today, people went out in droves and there are lots of photographs from the era, but they're all black and white. One of my favorite pictures I have from
1: the museum archives is a hand-painted one. The government bulb farm out on Marine Drive was moved in 1916 when 60 acres of land on the Guide Meridian were donated by Cyrus Gates, William McKay, and Francis Larrabee. That would be the wife of CX Charlie. Larrabee. Mm-hmm. The bulb farm moved to that location where it remained until the mid-1930s. And we'll come back to this in a little bit. But also, Linden became an important center of the industry in the Northwest after, in the 1920s, at one point, Congress prohibited importation of foreign bulbs due to a parasitic infestation. The embargo impacted the growers in Holland. They subsequently sent friends and relatives to the U.S. to areas that achieved a reputation for successful cultivation. So many of them settled in the Linden area, where there was already a growing Dutch population. And then also Skagit Valley.
0: Haha. Uh-huh. So we've got all these tulips coming up everywhere, and by 1920, uh, members of a civic organization called Bellingham Community Service. <laughs> okay, we could have uh. done better with the name. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> but, say, creative, good. But they were um, headed by uh, Dr. George Nash, who had been president of the Normal School. May hmm. recognize Nash Hall um, from Western hmm. Washington University today. So they had the idea for a festival, and the tulip festival idea is is often credited to Mrs. Molly Welsh, whose husband, Robert Welsh, was from the Bellingham Canning Company. But at any rate, someone came up with the idea, let's make it tulip-themed. And so everyone was encouraged to plant the flowers. All the downtown shops, you know, had window boxes, and Ugh. they gave away tons of tulips to people. And people planted them in the schools, and the parks, and the lawns. It was just like tulipomania. Here oh, we go! Yay! So Bellingham was dubbed at the time then Tulip Town, Ooh. and they had an official tulip festival slogan. <laughs> this is a real tongue twister. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Trust tulips to turn tourists towards Tulip Town. No,
1: nope. can you say that? <laughs> fast?
0: Trust tulips to turn tourists towards Tulip Town. Trust tulips to turn tourists towards
1: Tulip Town. You, oh, you were doing yes. so well. <laughs> yeah, that's awfully long. How about just, just like Tulip Town? Tulip Town elevation <laughs> point. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) Come see the tulip... Oh, uh, well, you know what? Maybe I can't do any better. (laughs) But it gets better, because they had a tulip song contest uh, as part of the festival. More than 200 entries... They printed so many, too. <laughs> they printed them all. Yeah, they're like, "What? Well, we got no other news going on. Here's a good one. Uh, so we have a, a little sample here. Our Lady of Mount Vernon, known only by the initials N-A-N, submitted the Snappy Song. And I, th- there's no <laughs> tune, but so I'll do my best. It's just poetry here. Have you ever heard of Tulip town away oh, up north on Puget Sound a snappier place cannot be found than Tulip town on Puget Sound Tulip town is a great old place there's tulip smile on every face and everyone has the tulip craze Tulip town on Puget Sound oh there's more there are tulips of every color and hue red and yellow and purple and blue Tulips or tulips which suits you in Tulip town on Puget Sound <laughs>
0: Thank you. Oh, I should probably say, I know, yeah. Whoa, man. Snappy. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that one. I actually liked that That's one great. better than the one that won, which oh. I can give you a All sample. All right, you now it's
1: your turn. Come on. <laughs>
0: no offense to Miss Alta Irene Pittman, uh, who won. It was titled Tulip Time in Bellingham. Bellingham the beautiful, t'was christened one fine day by the boys out in the harbor while their ships at anchor bay. But they didn't see our tulips, nor the smile we passed around when it's tulip time in Bellingham, the gem of Puget Sound. Okay, here's the chorus. Oh, okay. So sing a song of tulips, let hearts feel young and gay. Give the hand clasp to the stranger. Make him glad he came our way. And as he journeys onward, he'll pass the news around that it's tulip time in Bellingham, the gem of Puget Sound.
1: woo There were
0: like four more verses. That's a split.
1: little too <laughs> earnest for me. Yeah, I know. I was like, I like the snappy one. I like the snappier <laughs> one, yeah. But that's nice. Clasp a yeah. hand of a stranger. <laughs> we just that's great
0: so and what i thought was funny though they were like well great song you won but there's no time to hire anyone to compose an actual tune for it so we're taking suggestions <laughs> please send them in like as soon as possible at like a tune that might just you could just slap on top of the so like
1: another competition yeah.
0: no they were just like give oh, us an like... already like a well-known song oh wow that the, these words will fit to but wow. so everyone. Could, <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, okay. It's The puzzle of the day. If I was that lady, I'd be kind of annoyed that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, that was a feature over the years, which is kind of fun. They just kept doing that every year. So there was lots of Tulip songs like someone could probably do a whole tulip tune concert
1: (laughs) i love that (laughs) that is great then so we've got tulip songs and then there was the tulip queen contest because what's better to show your civic pride than a beauty pageant so this is basically a popularity contest pure number of votes candidates would canvas door to door oh (laughs) generally they were high school students from around whatcom county But over the years, the pageant of the crowning of the queen grew more and more splendorous and more events affixed to it like banquets and balls. Queens were flown off on adventures to Hollywood and Europe. Right? We don't got the budget for that shit no more. <laughs> they like... <laughs> didn't for long either, because we yeah. all know what
0: happens yeah. then, oh, at the end of the 1920s. Fair <laughs> enough. God. People were just, like, going for broke. But, yeah, it was pretty impressive. And airplanes were a new thing, so yes. I think that was, like, a big thing where they'd be like, we're flying the queen if you win. Yeah. Part of the prize was, like, you got to fly to freaking
1: Hollywood or somewhere. so cool. In the Europe. 1920s, Hollywood? God.
0: Although I don't know if I'd want to fly on a plane to Europe. No. Maybe they put him on a boat to Europe because that was that a thing? Could you fly across?
1: I don't Tira? know. I wouldn't want to do it either. Anyway, I don't sketchy. think I'd want to fly to Hollywood. No. <laughs> so in
0: 1920, the first festival was held on the first week of May, and there were like 50,000, 60,000 people walking the streets of that Bellingham, sanity, um, seeing the sights and attending the carnival. People came from all around the region, of course, on steamships and trains and by automobile. There was a cute story where there was like a whole caravan of folks in their automobiles coming up Chuckanut Highway. Amazing. Picture those Model T's on that road with like the no (laughs) guardrail and the sheer cliff, right? So there was a big Blossom show, of course, and a grand parade was held and a junior parade. And of course, there were special vaudeville shows, concerts, dances, There were baseball games. In fact, the local team was rechristened the Bellingham Tulips. I love this. There were boat races, stunt planes, all kinds of crazy things going on. The KVOS radio and Seattle's Como radio Mm -hmm. (laughs) broadcast all the various events. And they filmed motion pictures, which were then shown at the local theaters, such as the American Theater on Cornwall. So you could go and see all the movies filmed during the festival. See yourself Ooh, spotted in there maybe. would be so fun. Which very sadly none survived that oh, are known. Really? Film is like really oh, crazy and a lot of the films from that time didn't it's like didn't very it. volatile materials yes. and, and um, would
1: catch fire. Jeff, so there's film was nuts. Unfortunately. And probably right around that time was when they were using that kind Yeah. Of film. Yeah. In 1921, a formal Tulip Festival Association was formed, and they pulled out all the stops. Even more stops. (laughs) A 100,000 tulip bulbs were planted by volunteers that year for the festival. That is insane. Some highlights from the Grand Parade that year in 1921. Quote, the police chief and the city's finest led the way. Following him came the Musicians Association Band and then the float carrying... The Tulip Queen, You had 300 girls of Whatcom High followed in a formation of a living tulip. And then, Home School furnished a float bearing 24 girls dressed to represent tulips, with 26 girls in formation about the float representing fairies. So oh, cute. God, 1920s little fairies. Also, 1920s, <laughs> 300 girls of Wacom High School. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. That was more than was in my high school in Southern Oregon. <laughs> like, it just seems was was like a lot. Was a big, it was a big m- town.
0: Metropolitan city at Seriously. this time. It really was.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. So in 1922, the crowning of the Tulip Queen kicked off the festivities. This was held at the State Armory, which is up on State Street um, Hill there overlooking the bay. The big castle was the roller skating rink when I was growing up. So you could fit a lot of people in that big old building. And Tulip Queen that year was Aletta Day, and she was crowned by father time they, they would put on these whole pageants with so many people all dressed up and you had 2,400 spectators in that, that building
1: is insane yeah
0: and the, the two mile parade featured 5,000 people in the
1: parade and 100 floats and cars I think that is just insane so yeah I mean if you've ever been to Mount Baker Theater 1,500 yeah. people can fit in the in the big wow um, yeah. So they had 2,400 people <laughs> in the armory. Yeah. And 100 floats. Can you imagine? That'd be the I best know. fucking parade. And there's
0: lots of pictures from the tulip parades. Yeah. So we'll have to put some in our show notes. Yeah, we should. It, they're pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. So the festivals over the years pretty much followed the same formula. You had queen contest, coronation, big parade, all the major events, and then all the little other things were kind of like the side dishes. <laughs> nope. But in 1923, at this caught my eye because they held a fireworks show, which they weirdly called Burning Seahome Hill, oh, what the fuck? which is like forest fiery, but also when you know what's about to happen next also kind of takes on another creepier <sighs> connotation.
1: Uh-huh. So, there was this organization that really took off in Bellingham in the 1920s. Um, you might have heard of them. They were the fucking Ku Klux Klan. Excuse my French, but if anyone deserves an F-bomb, that's them, okay? In 1925, Violet Sempley was elected Tulip Queen. And her father, Charles Blaine Sempley, was the city attorney, who soon became very public about his membership in the KKK. So, we've covered this topic before in more detail, but to recap here, the Washington State Klan during the 1920s was part of the second of three waves of the KKK activity in America. Bellingham started seeing articles about the Klan having a presence locally in the 1920s, and so a strong presence persisted in Whatcom and Skagit Counties throughout the following decades. <clears throat>
0: So, yeah, Violet Samply Tulip Queen in 1925 and the next year, the Clan in 1926 uh, wanted to put a float in the Tulip Parade. So, um, and there was all these articles because festival officials were divided over the Clan's desire to participate. And some members threatened to quit. So they're debating, and it seemed that the Klan would be denied participation in the parade. But actually, they were encouraged to, quote, withdraw their entry to restore harmony to the festivities. Mm -hmm. And so here's from 1926. This is a quote. An unfortunate controversy has arisen over the proposed entry of the Ku Klux Klan in the Tulip Parade. This issue has been raised in the past but has never reached the stage of serious controversy. The Klansmen profess to have the best interests of the community at heart. If that is true, they will eliminate the friction that has developed by voluntarily withdrawing its application for a place in the parade. That would solve the whole problem and relieve the Tulip cabinet of embarrassment and division. Is the clan big enough and broad enough to do the big and broad
1: thing? Wow, thanks Billingham Herald. Okay. The clan did withdraw, and the Herald congratulated them about it, so okay. Good job, not good job. On May first, nineteen twenty six, the Herald said, quote, By withdrawing their entry in the tulip parade, the spokesmen for the Ku clan Klan have restored the harmonious relations in the Tulip Cabinet and removed the danger that the celebration would be marred by an unfortunate controversy. The Cabinet was divided on the question, each side presenting arguments that could not be disposed of as trivial, and it looked for several days as if the division might lead to a serious situation. The Herald last night suggested that the clan be big enough and broad enough to compose the controversy by withdrawing its float. It has done so in the interests of harmony, and the herald feels on this account it is entitled to commendation for a praiseworthy act. <laughs> Barf gagged me with a spoon. But the clan was like we already made a float. So they asked for a permit um to have a parade a week or so later, and they wanted also to have a picnic in Cornwall Park. Those permits were granted. They were denied, however, a permit to burn a cross on top of Sea Home Hill. So there's that. Remember, remember, hearken <laughs> back to like the burning Sea Home Hill. What do they call that? That was their fireworks. Yeah, show. that was the fireworks. It's called burning Sea Home Hill. Hmm. I wonder who came up with that. Was it some of the KKK members in <laughs> the, the pro to KKK? The cabinet? I know. I'm just like, <laughs> fuck that. <sighs> they had been planning that all along. Jesus. So when they held their own parade, the Herald called the float, quote, a striking feature. Quote, three members of the original clan, former residents of Tennessee, West Virginia, and Arkansas, shocker, rode on top. So that's fucking gross. But it got worse when a few years later, in 1929, the Washington realm held a convention in Bellingham and over 300 people attended. Mayor John Kellogg gave a welcome address and in closing presented the grand dragon of the KKK with a key to the city. Again, this topic always horrifyingly popular. If you want to know more about the KKK in Bellingham, we did a whole episode of the bad town season um, with the city of subdued ladies and their podcast. And we're going to link that in our show notes.
0: We laugh and joke about a lot of things, but racism is something we take very seriously. We want to acknowledge how racism, both overt and less obvious, but certainly systemic, have made Bellingham a place that was not welcoming to anyone who was not white. It's particularly unfortunate in this discussion of festivals with a focus on civic pride and community that those sentiments for many people, including many in positions of power and authority, were conditional and did not include persons of color and other groups seen as others or outsiders. We are glad to see our city focus on inclusivity and making everyone feel welcome. We want to express our appreciation for everyone working hard to make sure it it is explicitly stated as part of our values here in Bellingham and to specifically address the legacy and current realities of racism in meaningful and practical ways. We also recognize that this is ongoing and that there is still work to do. Yeah, the Roaring Twenties, full of all kinds of weird shit. But um, it also came to a crashing halt with the stock market (laughs) crash, literally. literally. Um, So, yeah, and that brought the end of the Tulip Festival as Mm -hmm. well. So enter the Great Depression. But here's what's weird. I have always read or heard that the tulip festival in Bellingham ended because the tulip went tits up, like there was a big frost, a big Northeaster, and everything just moved to Skagit County. And you know, the the depression is usually mentioned. But I was curious about this big frost. And when I looked through the newspapers, there was a big frost and some bulbs were affected, but didn't really seem like it was that big of a deal. It wasn't like headline news. It was like a tiny mention. And there were still tons of tulips being exported and lots of farms, and they were still really boosting bulb farming. Hmm. And the government bulb farm continued at the um, site where Bella's Farm Mall is for another five or six years. So the move to Skagit County was more gradual. And while the frosts, you know, were probably a factor, it wasn't just like this immediate, like, dead tulips, nah, festival's done. Mm-hmm. So I was really curious as to what specifically, why did they not have a festival? Yeah. And so I was looking and reading, and it was basically the money. So what happened, you know, the stock market crash, money was tight, and the town was just not in the mood to party anymore. (laughs) So weirdly, the official reason why it was canned was disagreement about the carnival. (laughs) So there was this whole, I call it the carnival kerfuffle or controversy, which now that I'm thinking about it is kind of a little bit like the KKK controversy. I was going to say maybe they have something to do with it. Every year when the committee planned the festival and coordinated all the the various events that came with it, the parades, the pageants all that, the town also contracted most years with a carnival to bring a traveling show to the town. For a couple of years it had been Levitt, Brown, and Huggins Carnival. (laughs) And that was a big part of the festival budget. The Levitt, Brown, and Huggins show was a big circus type carnival there were animals, there were sideshows, and all the trappings that you can think about when you think of 1920s and a circus or carnival. They called themselves the, quote, Coney Island of the West. Mm-hmm. So it's, basically,
1: they were dumping a million, like, just tons of fucking money into this thing. Right? And they were like, hmm. I know. No <laughs> more budgets. Carnival. No more flying
0: queens to um, uh, Hollywood. I mean, they'd already cut all- everything from the budget. And then people were like, carnivals are bad.
1: that's why we're not doing this anymore the children think
0: of the children Mm -hmm. they're immoral there's gambling there's
1: gambling there's sideshows not that the kkk was involved and the country was falling apart at the seams (laughs) but it's it's cool Uh, apparently certain townsfolk were not appreciative of the carnival life and what it brought to the town. So as Colby said, there's this morally questionable entertainment. Folks lamented over the quote moral effect on the younger generation. A big part of the opposition was to the quote games of chance or gambling and what they felt it took away people's money. Okay, we've got a new focus now. Um, Certain business owners felt that the carnival was siphoning money away from local businesses. Money people spent at the carnival wasn't being spent in local shops. It was just pretty much just a financial fucking panic.
0: Yeah, Um, which is not completely true either. I mean, so one of the biggest complainers was the Wall family who ran the Grand Theater uh at the time. And I imagine the theaters took a hit. Took a hit, yeah. Because you got a lot of the same kind of vaudeville oh, stuff yeah. going on over there at the carnival. And
1: However, others pointed out that the carnival is not only entertaining, but the carnival itself brought its own crews of hundreds of persons to the town who stayed in local hotels, ate at local restaurants, etc., Feed for the animals was also purchased locally, the light and water company were paid, the land on which the carnival was held was paid for, etc. A letter writer to the editor predicted that, quote, now when you take your outside amusement out next year, you might as well close the festival as they are gone never to return, as you have to have amusement and something you don't have every day. So before they pass judgment on the carnival, let the committee think twice before it is too late. Yeah, that was very prescient because that's Mm -hmm. pretty
0: much exactly what happened. Yep. Anti-carnival rumblings had been kind of going on throughout the festival years in certain more (laughs) upstanding religious types and whatnot. Mm. In 1929, Victor Levitt, who was president of the Carnival Company, actually came and spoke to the Optimist Club at a luncheon about the carnival and was very much stressing that it had been cleaned up since the old days. Mm. And he was clearly trying to win over, you know, the anti-carnival crowd, but it clearly didn't help so frank wanzer wanzer i'm not sure how it's pronounced who was elected president of the tulip association for 1930 Announced that he was opposed to having the carnival, and he felt that local merchants and talents should be sufficient enough to bring people into the town, and that businesses should just step up and lend aid (laughs) to the Tulip Festival. Good luck. So this debate heated up as the festival time approached. They'd already slashed everything from the budget, like those Queens trips and all those fancy things they have been doing. And it was stated that the carnival was the only thing left to ensure the success of the festival. Oh, bummer. So there was a local Reverend Dwight Smith who wrote a big anti-carnival rant in the paper, oh, God. <laughs> criticizing the town for quote, pandering to vice and permitting professional exploiters to take 10 times that from our people in flagrant violation of the law and decency. Here's a quote from the Reverend Smith, (laughs) okay? Uh, The carnival is, in its very essence, disreputable. Its mechanical features are tawdry and tiresome. The sideshows are vulgar, dishonest, and appeal to the salacious expectations of the audience who are lured into the exclosure with a leering wink and a suggestive promise, which is not even kept, so that the thing is both dirty and a fraud. The main source of revenue comes from gambling devices, which are not even partially disguised. The class of people who come with the show are, for the most part, the sort that our police spend some time in trouble, escorting to the edges of town with the invitation to stay away. How much do you want to bet that this guy was one of the pro-KKK guys? Oh,
1: <laughs> hell yeah. And also, early <sighs> carnies. We, we've we got like a little description of the, the early carny folk. Yes. But... I went also, down a whole
0: carnival rabbit hole with this, so that will be a future episode. Jesus.
1: Carnival like circus. Each of our episodes know, just, breeds just a rabbit new, hole to one. Breeds new. It's like rabbits. It's Sorry. Like, it's like rabbits little, and rabbit it's holes. It's like a little history bunny. No, I I love that. And also <laughs> Man, it is just, just hard to like disentangle what is happening here. There's so much moral panic and I know alcohol panic and well, so this is prohibition time. So there's yeah, no exactly. booze, right? But then gambling became the right. thing. Right? Like just... I feel like they were just
0: looking for something.
1: They were, yeah. And then and then you got the KKK and all of that,
0: who were definitely anti booze and oh yeah, pro prohibition.
1: Any excuse, and they were probably all a lot of business owners and police yeah. and whatnot. So yeah, I, I don't know. It wow. Um but then JJ Donovan which I don't know if you how want to explain. Explain J.J. Donovan. <laughs> um Colby could probably do a better job because I'll just ramble because well, I just he's my one favorite yeah. so J. J., public figure. There,
0: he's the guy on the bench on the corner of Fairhaven Got outside in the his Acme ice cream. Mm-hmm. And he was the another mover and shaker over there. He came with the railroad and stayed and was a real booster for the towns. And, you know, he was Catholic and he donated lots of money for the hospital. And he was the kind of lone voice of dissent against the KKK, who were anti-Catholic, of course. But he's an interesting guy. And you may know, recognize the name Donovan as part of Bloedel Donovan. So he was involved in lots of business ventures. And but mm-hmm. he was a pretty cool guy. Everybody loved
1: him. They called him i sure, first citizen. I'm sure we citizen. could dig and find some dirt on him.
0: <laughs> so far, so far, I don't know anything well, too terrible know, about J.J. Couldn't. But yeah, right. it
1: doesn't seem like Jay. Anyway, that guy. he up. did side with
0: the Reverend Smith on this
1: one, unfortunately. Oh, gee, Jay. J.J., what are you going to do? He was kind of like... Well, he was a bit wholesome. He yeah, was a family he was man. He And a Catholic, but also... But he stepped up and offered $2,000 for the festival. And rather than see a carnival come into Bellingham, so he sided with Reverend Smith and said the previous year's carnival had been quote a disgrace oh jj you're killing me <laughs> I still love you though but i would love to see what the carnival actually was because it had to be some like down and dirty shit i mean
0: yeah they were funky <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think for the most part i mean i would not say they were a disgrace. i would have gone but also
0: there was some i mean this was wild shit this was this like was- Terrible for animals, you know, just things in cages, freak shows, that whole sideshow freak thing. Yeah. A lot of weird stuff that just would not fly today, but obviously, but like
1: super (laughs) fascinating history. Yeah, for sure. The local ministerial association also met at the YMCA and voted their opposition to the carnival writing and publishing an official resolution stating their position in the newspaper. It really harkens back to the story of the banning of the Red Light District and other debates over morally offensive things like gambling, saloons, etc. So the town has been freaking dry for like 20 years at this point. So they're still looking for sinful things (laughs) to harp on and try and keep this like a wholesome town in the (laughs) Pacific Northwest. And the carnival had to go. The issue was kicked to the Chamber of Commerce and the Festival Finance Committee to decide, and what they decided was just to scrap it. On March 19th, it was announced that the Tulip Festival would be abandoned due to the Carnival opposition. Then, to see if the festival should continue at all, the Festival Committee sent out a questionnaire to 500 people. Of those, only 184 were returned, which was interpreted as indifference to the festival. People did voice strong opposition to ending the festival, but the committee was just like, well, not enough people care, there's no money, we're done. So, welcome to the Depression years. (laughs) Dun dun dun. Womp womp. Womp womp.
0: (laughs) So, the tulip farms gradually shifted to Skagit. In 1936, the government bulb farm announced it would become a soil conservation site with a focus on planting trees. And so you had a depressing decade of no festivals. In 1939, they kind of revived the idea and had just Spring Festival, but the tulips were pretty much gone by then. They were Skagit County, so they were like, well, what do we call it? Eh, how about Spring Festival? Oh, so, so there were some Spring Festivals through the World War II, and then it was like War Years, obviously focus on war effort, Victory Gardens... So a lot of things just were on hold for the war. But after the war, everyone was feeling festive again. And they were like, remember the Tulip Festival? (laughs) That was fun. We should do something like that again. So they had a contest to name the new incarnation of the festival. In 1947, Mrs. Gretchen Hedberg submitted the winning name in a contest and the Blossom Time Festival
1: was born. I kind of do love it. Good job, Gretchen.
0: So one of the favorite events of the old Tulip Festival was also resurrected and that was the contest for Festival Queen. Now Blossom Time Queen. Mm -hmm. But the Tulip Queen had basically been a popularity contest, and the first Blossom Time Queen contest followed that pattern, but then it evolved to conform to the Miss America pageant. So in 1948 they announced the contest was open to all communities in the county. The winner would be chosen by a jury of judges not by votes and popular you know, (laughs) just get all your friends to vote for you. (laughs) Uh, But it would be conducted along the Miss American pageant lines with the winner entered then into the state finals for Miss Washington and a chance for national. Oh, yes. So, okay, do you want to give us a little (laughs) quick Miss America background? Because this is interesting, too. Oh,
1: man. (laughs) So, in a nutshell, the Miss America pageant and organization evolved from Bathing Beauty Beach Competition back east in the 1920s. Early pageants were very small, with small prizes and not many contestants. At the time, it was highly criticized as immoral. You know, parading half-naked women about... (laughs) But it basically stayed small time and was held sporadically until the 40s when it came into financial backing and respectability. The Atlantic (laughs) City Convention Hall became the official venue. Oh, talk about respectability. (laughs) Uh, State competitions and scholarship programs were added. That was all under the direction of Lenora Slaughter, love that name, a Southern Baptist businesswoman who crusaded to improve the pageant's image with all sorts of rules to make it more respectable, quote unquote. So speaking of rules, jumping back to Bellingham, in 1948, the Northwest Blossom Time Festival pageant ad read, quote, herewith are the rules, regulations, opportunities, and prizes available to the local Miss America contestants in conjunction with the Northwest Blossom Time Festival. All you have to do is follow the instructions listed here. Here are the main obligations. Note what's at the top of the list here. Contestant must be in good health and of the white race. Top of the list. Contestant must be single and never have been married, divorced, or had a marriage annulled. Contestant's age shall not be less than 18 nor more than 28 years. The contestants would be provided with a bathing suit and photographed at no cost or obligation. There's also a form to fill out, which includes parents' names, education, measurements, including thigh, calf. Neck, ankles, wrists, an upper and lower arm. Wrists, Jesus. Shoe size, I would lose. Hair and eye color, complexion. And then your hobby, favorite sport, favorite food. And your reason for entering the contest. Miss Watcom County would win a $500 scholarship with runners-up each receiving a $100 scholarship. If the winner went on to Miss America, the prize went up to $5,000.
0: You know, so <laughs> and it's like up. okay, we're still here with the racism, just like right oh, at the top
1: of the white race, and then complexion has yeah, it, it too. Oh, yeah. good lord! So, so we're back and better than ever. Nineteen forties, mm. blossom time.
0: Yeah, they also brought back the carnival because duh, <laughs> they
1: needed. That, I mean, they like went through that, the war years, and people money. are like,
0: <laughs> I know they're like. Beauty pageants, immoral, nah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Carnival, great. Carnival Let's do it. Morality. But just, you know, keep it white. Ugh. Okay. Ew. Blossom time continues annually through the mid-century, creating all kinds of childhood memories for the boomers. Yep. Fast forward to 1973. Yeah. <laughs> when an outline for a ski to sea race uh, was prevented to the Blossom Time Festival by a man named Franz Gable. Love it. I know he was a chairman of the Dare Committee, which at first I thought this was dare like to keep kids off drugs Yeah. the 80s. <laughs> that was the 80s, right? That was <laughs> a few years later. But it was not that wasn't born yet. So this yeah. was the development of area recreation and entertainments. <laughs>
1: Can we make t-shirts? <laughs> there then, are. With the dare. are. And then are. it says... Ta- development of area recreation I was really
0: confused because I have in my ski to see button collection but does it look like that
1: because we're going to use the it says font.
0: DARE with D-A-R-E with the, <laughs> with the, the dots, dots. <laughs> and you know it's an acronym okay, clearly. They're gonna be black and DARE's going to be in red <laughs> and
1: it's going to be amazing but I thought it was DARE like to that keep kids off drugs I never realized that it wasn't hilarious. well because it would make sense yeah. with the trajectory
0: <laughs> anyway Okay. So, right. Um. so <laughs> the race was designed originally as a three part Race one leg skiing from Austin Pass to the parking lot at the Mount Baker Ski Area, and the second leg was bicycling from there to Nugent's Corner, and mm-hmm. the third was jumping in the Nooksack River in a kayak and ending at Hovander Park, oh. which isn't quite all the way to the sea, which sure. was the idea from ski to the sea, but mm-hmm. whatever. Didn't even make it to Bellingham, close, close enough. Right. Cool. I know, but that was the beginning of the race and. Over the years, more legs were added or altered, and they did eventually add that sailing leg to end at Marine Park in Fairhaven and get to the sea there. Because there was a sort of a city slogan that I'd come across that was, ski to sea in 60 minutes. That's cool. Meaning, like, you could go, go come to Bellingham, it's great, there's the mountain, there's Mount Baker, which was always a big tourist draw they were trying to you know promote and then still is of course the water and the bay so that i think might have inspired the name of the race and the event but the race was super popular attracted people from all around the world of course like i said before 1980 becomes the main event and really subsumed blossom time and then became the ski to Sea festival though i still heard a lot of people call it the blossom time parade and things like that So, in the carnival, I found an article from 1974 that said, No festival would be the same without a carnival. (laughs) Little did they know. (laughs) But they had the Playland shows at the Bellingham Civic Field, which is where I remember the carnival being as a kid a lot. So, the carnivals were held in different spots around town through the years, which we'll get into that when we do a whole episode about carnival. (laughs) But yep. but now I don't think there's really a ski to sea carnival anymore. I think now you gotta wait for the Northwest Washington Fair. Yeah. For a good carnival. Yeah, so fifty years of ski to sea race this year.
1: I Heck yeah. Look, oh my god, Colby, we're going, right? We're gonna like <laughs> celebrate 50 years of Colby and 50 years of Ski to Sea.
0: We should just have our own float. It's I'll just, be in the parade. It's just you. The big 50. Gold lettering. Alright.
1: Nifty 50. So the Ski to Sea as a festival was born of the Blossom Time with the Tulip Festival being its grandma. Go so ahead.
0: yeah, I do real quick, I wanted to revisit the old bulb farm because it had become the tree farm, like I mentioned, but it birthed the Bella's Fair Mall. So here's, I had line, City's Debate of the Decade, Bulb Farm Flowers into Bella's Fair. And it was quite controversial, because the deed, the original deed from the Larrabee and all them, when they deeded that land, Mm. said that it had to be used for experimental cultivation and production of plants and bulbs, and for no other purposes. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, ownership would revert to the original owners. But Trillium Corporation... Uh, uh, paid the Larrabee heirs fifty thousand dollars to revise those rights. Yeah, and they didn't realize that was some valuable real estate there at the uh-huh. intersection In the of five five and the guide meridian right there. And a so yeah, but I thought it was wild. Uh, this is probably a whole <sighs> episode too, but there was like a big fight to save downtown Bellingham, basically, oh, yeah. and they had a, a mall like designed. That was going to be built on Railroad Avenue. They had the plans, like the whole thing. And that didn't go through because of um, people voted against adding a parking garage or something. (laughs) Oh
1: my God.
0: And then Skagit is like, we're going to build Burlington Mall. And then Bellingham started to panic and be like, well, Canadian money. You know? And so they were like, okay, fine. We'll build it, but we're not going Mm -hmm. downtown. Uh. So it was weird, but all started with tulips. (laughs) (laughs)
1: for real wild well (laughs) Skagit (laughs) County took over the tulips we know that Um, and some Whatcom County farmers relocated to Skagit others came from Holland such as William Rusen, who immigrated to the Skagit County in 1947 and established the company that grew into the largest tulip bulb grower in the country uh, the Washington Bulb Company or Rusengard. which that's where I took my kids every single year it is a major attraction the Skagit Valley Festival and it just um has the most beautiful tulip displays. Yeah.
0: Did you re- did you happen to read anything about that tulip drama? No. Uh I don't really know either. There was oh, some no. tu- there was some tulip drama going on down there this the year. The Garden. Oh god. I don't um, know who who it was, but there was like some new tulip oh shit that just popped up across the road and there was lawsuits and i don't know oh shit all right tulip drama but you can go see tulips in skagit county and here in bedlingham we have our ski to sea festival coming up always a good time 50th year anniversary so
1: we're officially out of the pandemic so let's let's go
0: yeah and all Fairhaven will be hopping at the end of the race there with all that fun stuff and Bellingham has lots of festivals, though. Fairhaven brought back its Dirty Dan Festival this year, so we will be there, actually, this coming weekend, which will be done by the time this exactly. is out. And if you're looking for other big community festivals, there's a new Tune Up Festival, which oh, started yeah? last year, and that's coming back in July on the 15th and 16th, and there's going to be big bands down on the oh, yeah. waterfront they, where the They tried hard is. last year. Let's yeah, see what they can do yeah. this year. I know. It's exciting. I saw the band lineup, and it looks pretty oh, interesting. Hey, yeah. And there's also, we have a little Bellingham Pride Festival in July. Oh, well. So that I have pretty proud to have watched grown from like pretty much nothing to a very pretty sizable Pride. Parade and Festival. Proud of Bellingham for that one. Agreed. I mean, and we're. Pr- pr- I'm proud
1: of pride. I'm proud of pride too. <laughs> and I, I'm glad that you have seen it. You've gotten to see it. Yes. Many And we'll do some special things for oh, that. We will be there. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. And then
0: there's also Sea Feast, another one of my favorites in the fall. Celebrating local seafood and all the local economy that's built around that. And there's also things like the Lemmy Stomish in June, which is an awesome one. Yeah, so I'll we great. can link to some of these things in these show notes. The goings-on and festivals here in the fourth corner
1: it's time for takeaways (laughs) i uh let's see what what did we learn from this episode from this deep dive into tulips and festivals and whatnot i think my takeaway is spring
0: festivals are fun and good You got to go with zero tolerance for racism, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the weird beauty pageant bullshit can, I can do without that. I, I'm hoping. Can we and, move beyond some of those? I think we have. And I love carnivals. They can be janky and all that. But like, you know, it's fun. I'm like thumbs up to the carnival. Oh, thumbs man. down to the racism. Okay.
1: I think that was the way you for know? everyone to go. Anybody on the right side of history felt the same Okay. Way.
0: And I feel like the whole deep history of people doing festivals, like I'm, I'm like spring fertility rights. Yes, yes to that, you know. I feel like, you know, it's about kind of bacchanalia and getting a little wild in the springtime. Get out there. But, you know, leave the, the sexism and the racism parts. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think my takeaway, obviously, racism, bad. KKK, bad. But also, your wrist size does not determine your self-worth. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> God. Man,
0: I know. It's spring, everyone's sick of winter, hoping for
1: sunshine, people yeah, want a reason to never. get out of the house. Bring your wrists out into the open so. and enjoy the sunshine. I think we'll just wrap that up here. <laughs> that wraps up our episode today. We'd like to thank you all for listening to Belling History with the Good Time Girls. Please do subscribe or please review our podcast on our favorite podcast platforms.
0: gotta read just what you sold that's too bad too bad to that old time old man it's without bad weather But on the sun it was sold together that's too bad to listen to that
1: old time music like us on all the social medias support us on patreon check out our tours and events and read our show notes and blog all of that at bellinghistory.com
0: Loo 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 I'd like to thank Devin Champlin and the late great Lucas Hicks for the use of the Gallus Brothers song Too Bad West Coast Blues you can find the Gallus Brothers tune on Bandcamp you can find Devin Champlin at Champlin Guitars in Bellingham down there in the alley behind the farmer's market lost my hat lost my brim
1: looking like a coast that's swinging from a limb that's too bad too bad well I got no bugging I got no smokes I look like Grandpa and all of his folks that's too bad
0: Next time for more Belling history. Good night, Bellingham. Tiptoe through the tulips. That was long.
1: Thank you.